P liked the record and he wanted to do a remix and offer me a situation between um, to go, you know, um, situation like you know to go out to Priority Records in California and make a record deal. You know what I mean? So everything else was just kind of history after that. Takeover, the break's over, nigga. God MC, me, J Hope. The takeover, this the hater makeover. If you got clicks with Slim, I suggest you stay sober. Takeover, yeah, the break's over. I'm the god of freestyle, bitch. I'm from the globe. Take motherfucker, that is where I stay. What's up? What's up? Takeover podcast show. This your boy Superstar P, and we got a special show for y'all tonight. And y'all about to find out our special guest in just a minute. But first, let me introduce Mr. Envy. Yo, what it do, world? It's your boy, Mr. Envy. And she was been good with you, man. Man, cooling. You know what I'm saying? Moving around, trying to stay, uh, trying to maintain. You feel me? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, what you got on deck, man? What you got coming up? Man, you know what I'm saying? I got uh, just dropped an album called The Recap Two. You know what I'm saying? Uh, out here on tour with the uh, legend Southern Hip Hop Icon Young Bleed Carleon. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. We got a few shows. Um, as a matter of fact, one tonight at the Empire Lounge of Boulder City. You know what I'm saying? We just got off of one uh, Memphis, Memphis, Tennessee last weekend, and then you know what I'm saying? We got a couple more that's uh, that's that's in the area. So stay tuned for that. All right, all right, all right. Now. You know, I don't get too many opportunity to um, interview a, a gold-selling artist, an yeah. icon, a legend in these parts and these streets. Yeah. So, what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna let him introduce himself. Go ahead and hit it. Hey, this is yours truly, Mr. How You Do That There. Young Bleed in the building. What's up, Boulder City? What's good? What's hood? Aha, uh-huh. see, I surprised y'all. I didn't, I didn't let y'all know what was coming. Yeah. Man, you know, we, um, as far as the Takeover Podcast show, man, we honored to have you. I appreciate y'all having me, man. That's oh, real. Oh, oh, man, you don't get to interview too many legends, you uh, know. I wasn't going to pass up this opportunity for nothing. Yeah, right You know, on, this is right, normally my football night, but the hell with football tonight. <laughs> yeah. We're going we gonna to get this legend on the well, show, honey, man. My man, I appreciate it. Already. That. Yes, sir. Man, I remember, I remember when I first bought my balls, my word, back yes, in 98. Sir. 98. Man. 98. We must have jammed that about six months straight. Yes, sir. I'm talking about that's one of them albums where you can listen to from front to back with no skips. Yes, sir. No skips, man. That's, to me, in my personal, that's in my top ten. Yes, sir. That's my time. Matter of fact, I was listening to it this morning. Look, timeless music, man. That's what that is. Timeless music. Timeless music, man. So um, so what's been going on with you lately, man? Man, all sorts of things, man. Um. I just, you know, uh, relaunched my um, label this year, Trap Doe Entertainment, and released the album in February called Living. You know what I mean? For those that, are, that, that that's not up on it, y'all need to check that out, man. It feature um, cats like Sebo, Big Mike, Yuck Mouth, Spice One, my man Daz Dillinger, Cocaine, and Moby Dick from the original Beast by the Pound, man. So, you know what I mean? And a few other artists here and there. You know, so it's a nice spread. It's a beautiful record for people that's not up on it. but. Relaunching the label, we like the man said we on tour. Actually, the second tour of this year, we finished up a tour right at the top of the summer called the Hard Work uh, Pays Off Tour. So now we on the Let Us All Get Down Tour, man. It's one of the single songs off the album, Living. So yeah, all sorts of things, man. Stay in the studio, staying busy. You hear me? 
Boy, you laid off some legends. Yes, you sir. Said Spice One, Sebo, man. Yeah, all man. All cats, man, I used to listen to. I dog. Right, all on the same record, man. So, yeah. That, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> that's what you call an all-star team all right All-star there, bro. team. That's what I'm yelling, man. Shout out to them OGs. You know what I mean? Man, before we get into the music, um, I know you're from um, South Louisiana. Yeah, man. Definitely. I know Baton Rouge and all that. Born and raised. I, I know that the Saints is on the road, man. They're on yeah. what, seven in a row? Yeah, so, okay, so what, yeah. What, what you think about them Saints right uh, now, man? man? I love the Saints. I, I say they always one more Super Bowl ring before they take it all, man. So ever since, the, you know, way before then, and definitely, you know, we won the Super Bowl. So I feel like, you know, that they've been a power unit to see them just coming back around after the year since the Super Bowl. Yeah, that sparked my hopes up again. So, yeah, right on to the Saints, man. Let's get up there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, when they won that Super Bowl, what, 2010, 2009? Was it that? 2009 season, I want to but it happened in 2010. Yeah, if it wasn't before that, you know, it wasn't too far after Hurricane Katrina. So right, Katrina right. coming 05, that had to be like 06. Yeah, I want to say the year after at the latest 07, but somewhere like yeah. that, 06, 07. Yeah, yeah. so, hell yeah, man. I, I know the city was rocking then. Oh, uh, yeah. The city was I rocking put life then. back into the state, especially after Hurricane Katrina, man. So, yeah, shout out again to the, the, the almighty saints, man. Let's get up there. Yeah. Already, yeah. already. So, um, you know, I, I, I had a chance to do a little research, not much. Yeah. I, I found some things I didn't know. Yeah. I, I didn't know little Boosie was your cousin. Yeah, Boosie, badass. Young Jock, we got it here. Let's go, baby. Yeah, we family, man. Same block, same hood. You know, South Side, Bottom, Baton Rouge, BR, we all BR. So, yeah, man, you know, that's that evolution of Forest Life and then uh, record evolution, you know what I mean? Uh, in one sense, you know, I'm the founder of the concentration camp on my homie label, C Loke at the time, C Loke Records. Right. So, we birthed the camp, and eventually, you know, that was an outlet for Boosie when he came along later on, you know what I mean? So, yeah, same place and time, man. Right, so mm -hmm. how did you link up with Mr. Envy? Um, actually, you know, just um, do a few people I know and in internet researching and just networking. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He shout out to me to do a song with him and um, let me know different things he was tied into that was beyond the music. So we started connecting, like you say, from tours to whatever we could do to you know push the ball. So it's been like that, you know, a few years or so now. So yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. So man, we we finna rewind it all the way back to the okay. beginning. <laughs> Let's go. So yeah. for what I know, if I'm not mistaken, you started rapping around the age of nine? Yeah, about nine, 1983, man. Around the time I run DMC. So yeah, real talk. <laughs> yes, sir. So I mean, what made you start getting? You know, what made you start rapping? What made you get into the rap game? Uh, really, for me, life-wise, uh, it go way back to that, man. My mama used to read me Dr. Seuss when I was in still inside. When I came out, you know, she taught me to read Dr. Seuss, you know, um, maybe before I was a year or something like that. So I always liked rhythm and rhyme. I had an uncle that played drums all the time. And for those that know, man, um, R.A.P., Rap stand for Rhythm and Poetry, man. So it was death from the embryo and just, you know, my whole family background, man. Uh, born and raised Mississippi into Louisiana, so blues, roots, gospel, all that was in the house. Right. I just was the one that incorporated on the bloodline, you know what I mean, later on in life. But music was always there. By the time I turned between 8 and 9, when hip-hop was evolving, that was my glitch. And that, that, that's what I caught on to. I was learning to write poetry in the fourth grade. Okay. So I just kind of coincided that poetry world 
But my environment was, was popping in New York, and at the time, Run DMC, the first tape had come out, the self-titled Run DMC tape. And I wrote a, a poem based on the wake-up song off of that record. When I woke up this morning and got out of bed, I had some really fresh thoughts going through my head. They were the thoughts that came from turned it in. <clears throat> So our poetry teacher, and she put it in a pamphlet book that went around uh, you know, all the surrounding elementary schools, and that book made it to the state capital. So I felt like if I could reach our state's capital at nine years old, yeah, I might have a future in this. And I've been on it ever since, you dig? Yeah. Damn, that's straight, that's straight. So besides Run DMC, who, who was you listening to back then? For me, you know, music infinite, man. I go back, you know, like I said, my granddaddy would make me play him blues records all the time. You know what I mean? So I listen to cats like Robert Johnson, that's 19, 20, 1930s blues artist, and, you know, to gospel, Mahalia Jackson. So it's, it's infinite, um, and that whole, you know, funk era of the 70s. I'm a 70s baby. I'm born in 74. Mm -hmm. So anything Parliament, Curtis Mayfield, and all that into hip hop and sampling the James Brown, the Rick James. You know, I was that same kind of hip-hop kid, but just in the South, where I had two turntables, stealing my pop's records, breaking his needles. Yeah. So I had that type of thing, so I was always listening to, you know, something that the average kid wasn't listening to, from jazz to whatever those records was. Yeah, and learning how to, you know, scratch, mix, transform, so on and so forth, probably about 12 years old. Uh-huh. So music always been there, you know, I can say, you know, from singing you know it's just just infinite and then like i said i had an uncle in particular that just played african congas and different stuff so i just you know took all those elements and um learned the rhyme scheme and you know made it one thing you know what i mean brought it into myself more or less yeah okay okay yeah. so you and i i mean you you know you start growing with the music yeah. so how did you start generating the buzz in the city and people start hearing about you oh uh, well just like in other rapper man i used to battle between eight and nine years old you know what i mean from the playground you know what i mean elementary school up into the middle schools into high school so that was something we did and lunchtime or what have we, you know what I mean? And anybody that knew me, a few homeboys and family members have pushed me and encouraged me to continue to do what I was doing. So everywhere I went, if I was around long enough or anybody was on the music level, we had that confrontation or gathering in the streets. And as I go from one neighborhood, from the bottom of South Baton Rouge to the east side of Mayfair, you know what I mean? Guardian Line, everywhere I lived and had family and all those sections, I've been a lot of places. And those kids that was in the neighborhood that was into the same thing, we'll kind of find each other. So talent shows, so on and so forth. By 15, you know, I had a chance to work with some guys that was willing to put up a little money behind me and produce my first tape. So I was selling that tape in school, you know what I mean, on, in the spots and all that kind of stuff, and corner stores and record stores, mom and pop record stores. So I had that kind of hustle, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, just coming out the street game incorporated with, you know, the business of the music game, you know what I mean? So real early, first record I had on the radio, I might have been about 16 or 17. I knew all the old heads and a lot of people, as you know what I mean. Uh, so what was, what was that record? Um, actually, the record was called Much Love, come from um, Barquet's um, sample, shout out to Jazz and Fizzle, you know, his pops, new record, man, uh, Mr. Um, Alexander. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean, um, from the Barquet's, but um, that original Barcade record was um, was called You Can't Run Away From My Love. So I sampled that, put like the friends from Houdini drums to it, mm -hmm. and you know, started produ producing in one sense at um, early age, just combining those records and mixing them together. Then I could rhyme on top of them. So, you know, that record, everybody in the town loved it on the AM 
radio station. Shout out to WXOK, you dig? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So then, you know, um, then I know the concentration camp started yeah, soon. Yeah. With you, CeeLo, with that Max Manel in, yeah, and, and a couple more people. So how, yeah. how did all that come to fruition? Um, it's a funny thing. I'm trying to be brief with you, you know what I mean? But yeah. Um, we all kind of got our individual evolution. Right. I grew up with Loke, you know, between 11 and 12 years old by middle school, and he had that same dream. We was pursuing it, but he more so wanted to be a DJ. So for a segment in life, he was my, you know, schoolyard neighborhood DJ without the equipment, you know, but that's, you know, uh -huh. you saw us together, that's what it was. He rapped and he DJ. So ever since we was kids, then we kind of strayed apart as we grew a little bit older, teenage years, and come back together later on. And I was already selling that tape. He had an idea to put a record company together, which was CeeLo Records. And we come back together, and for the first time since what we had been trying to do as boys, we could do this as grown men now, uh, 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 older teenagers, you know what I mean? Right. So that started to build a company along with my guy on Lee Time, you know, and a whole lot of guys that, you know, helped build CeeLo Records just out the neighborhood, family and friends. But that was pretty much the nucleus, you know what I mean? Shout out to Uncle Paulie, you know, Paulie did the management, you know, my home, boy, friend, and family, friend, you know, since kids. So all of us kind of knew each other from one street to the next street and so on and so forth. But long story short, um, Loke was doing a lot of C. Loke solo records. So the more yeah. people would come around, the young guys like Max, Javon, and Happy Perez at the time, you know, I pitched the idea at him, let's start a um, clickalation. And let's okay. call it the concentration camp. And that opened the, the avenues for anybody that was kind of coming in that wanted to be a part of c Loke Records. So that's how that really was birthed. So you yeah. actually the originator, the one that started yeah. the concentration yeah, camp. Yeah, yeah, man. You know what I mean? I started the camp. It was my original idea. Right. Of course. You know right. what I mean? But, you know, Loke owned the label. So that went hand in glove. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I get you on that. Yes, sir. Now, you know, how you do that. Yeah, man. A lot, a lot of people know that. But a lot of people don't know that before they even came out, it was actually Active Food the first time right, you actually right, did. Right, right. And out that same gumbo pot, man, um, like I say, um, once Lo came in with the idea, we decided to do a compilation that gave everybody a chance to display what they did outside of just contributing to, you know, his solo records. And that was my first solo opportunity. I had been on, you know, a few records and ghost wrote them since like who's gonna ride you dig um then the whatever record you know what i mean that Loke put out then the third record he decided to do was the concentration camp where all us kind of evolved but that was my single on that record like you said originally called a fool you know what i mean okay a say, fool all right yeah, fool. see how they running everything on the cool but they know i'm finna act a fool in this motherfucking nigga solid how you do that thing? roll it up and blow it up cause nigga we don't care but I was saying when I was listening to that record, I said, anybody hear this record? I say, man, this a fool. That's what I'ma call it. Being, you know what I mean? We put it out and everybody took to it just like I felt it in heart and spirit. And here we are, 20 something years later, still talking about that record. And it's still but, rolling. <laughs> right. But to bring you right back to what you were saying, you know, and that went from us to Master P and Loke had a connection together when they was doing records and stuff like that and we slowly introducing each camp to the next camp. P liked the record and he wanted to do a remix and offer me a situation between, um, to go, you know, um, situation like, you know, to go out to Priority Records in California uh -huh. and make a record deal, you know what I mean? So everything else was just kind of history after that. Yeah, but There's a like few that. people 
that knew that uh, I was going to interview you. And yeah. what everybody want to know yeah. is how you and Master P end up hooking up and how that whole thing went down. A lot of people think that you was actually signed to No Limit yeah. Records. Right. So if you could just kind of explain that whole process, how they went down and okay. how, you know, I do that ended up on the Unbalanced soundtrack and, right. and how that took off from them. Right, well basically picking up for what I just said, once P liked that record, right. then he offered up, I, I kind of skipped that part, but yeah, he was doing the Body movie and the soundtrack and he liked it enough to take it and put it on his record, you know what I mean? He, well, he offered to do the remix and wanted to put the remix on the record more or less and um, introduce it to the world like that. But <clears throat> I'm sure different things might have went different ways, but what took place was he introduced me to Priority, called out to California. Priority Records was interested in it as well. Right. So he brought me to the table with Priority Records. So we still stay family and still to this day and all the good stuff with everybody over there, you know, shots out to No Limit Records, shots out to True Records, Free C Murder, Free Mac, Already. rest in peace to Slim, rest in peace to Magic, Ed the Assassin, Already. you know, Trey H, so it trickled down, so it was always that kind of love, but once Priority, you know, was into the picture, you know, I guess, you know, it was a better situation for me, overall situation, and not, no different because it was the same family tree, so right. I took it as the same umbrella and just got in where I fit in, you know what I mean? And, focused on my solo record that a debut six or seven months later which was balls in my word eventually but yeah but that was the alley oop to it that body soundtrack but due to him and Lope was doing records you know what I mean we was around each other and in the midst of that you know checking out what, what each other you know each camp was doing you know Pete liked that record enough to turn me on to the world like that so yeah my balls in my word yes sir Timeless album. Yes, sir. I'm talking about hit after hit after cut after cut yeah. after cut. Yeah, man. I think, not counting how you do that, because everybody loves that song. Right. I right. think my favorite song off there is Bring the Noise with you, Master P, and Mystical. Hey, look, shout out and rest in peace to my big bro, Chad Pimp C. Butler. You know, Pimp produced yeah. that track, but I think he produced it for either a Mystical record or a 504 Boy record. Okay. And there was a record when we was wrapping up my record on. Um, you know, Peanut wanted me, I guess, to do a few other songs on the record. So I went into No Limit, you know what I mean, and uh, recorded like the last three three or so songs to my album. And that was one of the songs that they had that, that I liked with an open verse. So Pete gave me that record. But um, I was able to share with Pimp before he passed away that I ended up with the record. So I got his blessings on it. So, you know, that's what that is. Rest in peace, Pimp C, man. Bring the noise. Yada da. Man, how was it working with all, like, Mystical and, and, and all them fellas at No Limit? Um, well, well, for us, it was a little different, uh -huh. you know, because, I mean, when you say in the concentration camp, we had our own unit, studio, and all that set right. up in Baton Rouge. So I was only around a few times when it was necessary to make those kind of records. Now, we'll see each other's shows in the streets or whatever, and it's love, but I wasn't there every day like everybody else was that was really a No Limit artist. All right. And that's the difference. So, but yeah, from here to California, wherever we was in the country, it's the same old thing. We love to see each other. So, that type of thing, man, you know what I mean? But you can imagine the crazy chemistry, you know what I mean? Like I say, breaking it down individual, you got to go second, we need, need a long interview. But, you know, shouts out to everybody, you know what I mean? That, that was a part of that and still to this day. So, yeah, crazy chemistry, you know what I mean? From the beats to 
the lyricism and just real life conversation and just being able to, like I say, some of them guys are not here no more. So you yeah. share that little moment in life and know you was there, they was there, and, and you know, everything else is what it is, you dig? Yeah. yeah. You, you still keep in touch with any of them guys? Yeah, I just talked to um, Rico from Sons of Funk the other day. Okay. You know, I talked to Moby Dick, you know, probably more than everybody over there. Okay. Um, might have been a year or so since I talked to P, Silk the Shocker. You know, every now and again, we tap in with each other when it's necessary. All right. So it's the same thing. I don't have no ills from different things like that. I never did. And like I said, it's a different upbringing, you know what I mean, as far as my perspective on the year. You know, everything, everything. So what was your reaction when you first found out that album went gold? Man, like I say, when I felt that record, God, life, and spirit, I felt it was going to be a big record, but I couldn't imagine how fast, where it was going to happen, and how it was going to happen. So um, I used to have a homeboy, man. Shout out to um, Brene Gassaway, man, Eastside Mayfair. He used to tell me this all the time. to say, say, man, and my pops used to say this to me, um, Hey man, you know, life ain't just with theme music like you see in the movies where you wait for the theme music to kick in. You got to go with it and know when the moment is there. My, my guy, Brene, to say, hey man, you know, this ain't going to happen like you think a million dollars going to fall the sky. It's going to be on a regular day when you're doing some regular things. So the record was already released, I want to say, January 22nd, 1998. And by February 7th, it was gold, certified gold. So I was just in the neighborhood. I went to see um, my best friend, Ruben Pierre. I hadn't saw him in a while. So I pulled up on him just to holler him for a second, take a little regular trip to the corner store, give me orange juice. By the time I come back from the store, I got a phone call from the record company walking in the middle of the street. Say, man, you know you just went gold. So it was on a regular day, like my dude told me, you know what I mean? Right. So yeah, so that was crazy. That was amazing. But keeping in mind, I don't know what's the status of the body soundtrack nowadays, but I, I want to say that's at least a two-time platinum, perhaps? Right? Yeah, at least not, two or three times. Yeah, if yeah. not three times. So with that alley-oop off of it, yeah, it debuted me. In three weeks, I was certified gold. You did just off of that single alone. And without the world hearing the original version, so, you know, it all worked out hand and glue. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, beautiful. So I know there was a story where I guess Pete told you that the way this, the record, the way y'all make records and stuff now, and yeah. the way they come out like that, like, man, in a few years, this ain't going to be the same no more. This going to all go away. Yeah, you know, so the Slim used to say, you know, the G lets you hop out the post. You know, if you hop out the post before 97. We come in, at, you know, at least for me, and having that major deal. Like I said, I've been doing this since the 80s. Right. But I didn't get my break into the 90s. And um, how to kind of sum it up. We come in with, with this, all this whole, you know, technology thing changed and was evolving, uh -huh. you know what I'm saying? So I still remember getting out in parking lots, having to hand out flyers, everything wasn't so digital like it is now other than the studio equipment. No Facebook and Twitter and so on and so forth. So we had a, you know, I don't want to say in one sense, maybe a harder upbringing when you have to be more hand-to-hand -hand and more deliberate like that. Everything not through the cell phone, you see what I'm saying? Kids got cell phones, so yeah, it's, it's, it's the same but two different worlds, you dig? Depending on your craft, you know what I mean? It's just right. more than a million artists throughout the world, you know, how you work your jamming. But everybody's a star on Facebook, and you know, I used to say Facebook for the ghetto, Twitter for the suburbs, man. So it, it's so accessible now. And um, technology then got to where, I mean, you got to think back to them old funk players and all that. Mm -hmm. and, you know what I mean? A, a keyboard is a computer, 
But when you play a live guitars and drums and stuff like that, you got to start over. There ain't no cuts and takes. So tech, technology that made a little bit of, you know, the, the recording process a little bit easier. So if you know what you're doing, you know what I mean, it's, it's a million dollar opportunity almost for anybody. Stars overnight, literally. When we had to build bricks or come from bricks, and that shout out to the old school and New York to the West Coast before we hit the South and you know what I mean, the Midwest right, right. and everybody, yeah. Like I said, I'm a 70s baby, so I remember when I was like an alien in Baton Rouge. A few other guys <laughs> that rapped too, a few OGs that it was respected. Other than that, they used to say, man, you got to go to New York somewhere. That's how it used to be in Baton Rouge for what it is now. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. <clears throat> they, you know how you do that. That song is still relevant today. Yeah, man. Did you think when you made that and when it first came out that you think that song would still be around for 20 years? I didn't think. It's still think. like one of the top songs in the South. Right, I had no idea. I just knew it was going when people heard it, they was going to like it. And really for that time being. Right. Like you say, 20 years later, man, nah, I had no idea that it still be in the clubs. Guys call me on party buses all across the country in clubs. On the Instagram, whatever, man, look at these people waking up in the cars, they still playing that rocker. You know what I'm saying? That's a blessing. So I thank God every day for that. You know, I have a lot of projects I did after that, so I'm constantly trying to turn people right. on the new stuff I'm doing. But man, but if that's their record, yeah, ain't nothing I can do. I'm still performing <laughs> that record still to this day. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember when Ricky Smiley used it in his comedy routine. Man, I love that. I was on tour with Strange Music when they yeah. called and told me that. And that tripped me out, yeah. So, yeah, I see it in so many forms. A lot of people didn't copy that record, bit the record, you know what I'm saying? Duplicated yeah. the record. Yeah. So it's, it's phenomenal, man. It's crazy, you know what I mean? And, 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 and all coasts and all aspects. So, you know, underground and some of these mainstream boys. Right, So I right. saw it work some wonders, man, you know what I mean? You know, on guard, so yeah. Right, that huge, man. I mean, when that first came out, yeah. I knew that was a hit, but yeah. I didn't know it would still be relevant 20 years 20 later. Years, and exactly 20 years later, 2018, you know, January, like I say, when we're talking 98, but you know it from here, like 96 or something with the original, you know what I mean? Right. So that's like 22 years, really. It'll be next year, man, since we've been circulating that same record. You know, at the time when it first came out, I was in California. I was yeah, stationed man. out there. Right on. And so they used to play a lot of West Coast music. They didn't play a lot of South music in the club. Right, right. So when we got it, when we got a couple of songs, how yeah. you do that was one of them. Yeah. So when that came on, everybody from the South, no matter where you're from, you got on. The got floor. up, stood you know up, yeah, man. So that that song identified us in in like foreign territory. Yes, definitely. That, that was our anthem. Uh, yes, man, sir. Right that, on. that was our anthem. Theme so, music. Oh yeah, yeah theme sir. music. Yeah. So you know, you, you released my balls, my word. It, yeah. it was went gold, successful yeah. album. Then you had what my own, my own followed it. Yeah, the, the follow up. Yeah. And and there was there wasn't no no limit imprint on that one. Right. Right. Was that because the label didn't want you to do that, or that something that you decided on your own? Like you know, I, I want to stray away from the, you know, that imprint. Um, nah, that. Um, I was telling somebody this. Um, probably earlier this week or something. You know, where I get a lot of people thought that I was aiming at no limit or, or saying I'm separating myself from them. That wasn't the case. See, I'm a guy, like I say, you know, I'm glad you went back for the history so people can understand this. Right. I've been writing and focused on music for a long time. So for the next five, ten years, I know what my next five, ten albums going to be. So that was just mm. in my resume of albums that once I got on and got a break, I'm going to come out with an album called Balls of My Word, 
really wasn't supposed to be called that. Let me rewind the tape. I was supposed, I was trying to call Balls in My World and Offer You Can't Refuse, which is a song that's on the yeah, record, Godfather yeah, yeah. term, because my whole thing is Carleon. So I didn't want to step on a toes and disrespect Texas, Scarface, hit the whole scheme with the Tony Montana. Mm -hmm. I spoke in those terms, and Face is one of my favorite rappers of all time, especially the Godfather, the gangster rap in the South. So being of that same kind of texture for his gangster rap music and reality rap with the ghetto boys was doing in Texas, we living and doing in Louisiana right next door. And you know, me and Face and talked a couple of times and all that's understood. So it wasn't in that effort to do that, I wanted to call it off you can't refuse so you can know straight on the off the Godfather, Young Bleed, Carleone, you can understand what I was saying. But some way it got leaked out the the P or no limit and they I believe they started promoting that my album coming to you know after naturally how you do that was gonna be called my balls and my word so it was already kind of out so Peter tell me like man guys from the penitentiary to wherever else everybody say man you hard as hell and that title was hard so okay. I ain't go against the grain you see what I'm saying right so that's why that record ended up being called that but I was supposed to go like I end up you know in substitute now for you can't refuse I get ridiculed to this day for that why you did that short record Really, that was the first yeah. to, put, to be my first song on the record that was really supposed to be an intro on Balls in My Word. Right, that's like track what, four? Four. Yeah. Everybody's been remix it, stretch it longer, and it really, really was probably a few bars longer. Some way that got cut off in the studio, and that's what we ended up with. So it made the record, but when we arranged the record, my arrangement got changed for the few records that we put P and, you know, Beats by the Pound production, keeping in mind Happy Perez produced like. 85% of that album. You see what I'm saying? And the rest was beats by the pound. So, <clears throat> changing all that, you know what I mean? And saying that to say this, by the time I do that record and do my own, I had already had my own in my mind years before I even knew well, I have a situation it, right? with P or whoever, you know what I mean? Uh -huh. So when it came out, it looked funny to the world without that logo on it. It looked funny to me, cause right. I'm like, man, where the tank at? Where, right. where Master P and everybody else at? Right. Cause we we just automatically assumed that you was part of the tank. Yeah. And then we like, man, where everybody at? So we and didn't know real what life, was going on. Yeah, family wise, but according to the books, you know, I signed straight to priority, priority records. records. Okay. Yeah, so it's a priority album, and so at that time, whatever may have been taking place. I wasn't seeing so much of the No Limit Camp and all that, and we didn't see each other, it's all the same thing. But I had the privilege of um, meeting Too Short, you know, and another one of my favorite oh, rappers of all time. Daz and Snoop them at the time, but me and Daz ended up doing the record. So the only two main features outside of the camp on that record is Daz and Too Short, which made it me more West Coast in that right. city. Yeah. And so after going to the West, I'm taken in by every blood and crip alike and OG in the West. It was just a lot of love in that West. You know what it is being in California. Right. They love you or they don't. Yeah. You yeah. know what I it's mean? It's one or the other. Yeah. Right. So from that to when I'm saying Spice and Yuck and Sibo now, that come from way back then having California love coming mm -hmm. from the South. You know what I mean? So. That's how my evolvement kind of happened when guys was telling me since a kid, you need to go to New York. I'm trying to go to New York at the top of the year. It'll be my first time ever going to New York. Okay. And that's been my life dream since a kid, but I had the privilege of meeting Dougie Fresh, Slick Rick, UTFO, um, Cool Mo D. You know, so I know, you know, some real, you know what I mean, Capadonna from the Wu-Tang Clan and, 
you know, so to see the love and respect, especially on the lyrical level going into New York, that's the hardest place to pivot, you right, dig? So right. when they show you love and respect, you got something. So, you know, I'm just following my path and seeing where the rest of my life leads me, you know, according to, you know, real life, rap, hip-hop, or however you want to put it, you dig? So, yeah, to be continued. So that's how you ended out, Wes, because Priority was out there. Is that how you made that yeah. move to the West Coast? exactly. Okay. Straight to Priority Records, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. I, I was like, how did them leave them out west? But yeah. you But you know, that party. was the distributor to No Limit. Right. So the whole right. thing was on the strength of Pete. You right. dig? So yeah. Connect game, man. So yeah, I appreciate that. Shouts out again to Peter on P and No Limit, man. Yeah. Right. right so so you put out uh, my own. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, you know, it, it didn't do with my balls and my word. Then. Right. So was that a disappointment for you? Or you just kind of understood, like, there could be, you know, a, a little drop off because it didn't have that tank on there. I mean, were you satisfied with that? Or? True life story. Um, Number-wise, record-wise, yeah, it could always have done better. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but at that time in life, a lot of people felt like the difference between them is the balls of my word a little bit kind of more close to no limit and concentration camp crunk. Mm -hmm. When my own is a little bit more serious and close on the spiritual side and a little mm -hmm. bit more lyrical. So for more conscious people and intellects, they love that record of the same magnitude. You see what I'm saying? But sale-wise, you know what I mean? It yeah. might have sold half of what balls in my word did. You see what I'm saying? So. And with a lot of people that was diehard No Limit fans too, then that was kind of a black eye without having the tank on there when you look at record sales, you know what I mean? And that's where the questions and all that begin. Right. You know what I mean? So pretty much that, yeah. I signed a deal with Priority to do like, a, I want to say maybe five albums. So I had my five next albums in line. So all I did, like I said, once that came out, it was a situation taking place between the companies and everything came to a hold. Yeah. So I could sit there and wait out the bidding war, what have we. But you know how the game go, out of sight, out of mind. While I'm kind of still in the eye of the public or whatever, I just followed my career. Came back independent and released the third record that I had planned years before, too, that was called Vintage, on the label that we started called Detention Home Entertainment. Okay. And uh, it's a funny thing, it's like banks. When you own a label, it's like every label want to get you. But when you ain't on a label, everybody kind of go home. So the only people that kind of opened doors for me at that time was Selecto Hits. So I started my own label and started distributing my own records through Selecto Hits. So shout out to Mr. Johnny Phillips and all his sons and nephews over there at um, Selecto Hits, man. You know, West, them guys, j Dog, you know what I mean? That opened up the door, give me a little cash up front to, you know, go record my record and still, you know, make that magnitude of money from an independent level. So like I said, I was on Lopes Independent Label, you know what I mean? Right. Into, um, you know, through P to Priority. But I, this is the first time I had come back since I sold the tape on the corner and was selling independent records with a little bit more leverage and a bigger light and a bigger name. So, you know, I didn't have a fear, fear of that. I felt like I had a strong enough following to continue to put out independent records and was making that, you know, that type of money. So just back into that independence, man, and, you know, and a lot of chain ventures along the way to where I'm at now. So, yeah, All right. a lot of detail. So, how'd you end up hooking up with uh, Tech Nine? Um, it go back to the same family tree, y'all. Um, yeah. Um, shout out to my man Dave Wine, a vice president over there at Strange Records, and um, shout out to Travis O'Gwen and Tech Nine, of course. Um, 
I had went through, I did a few albums um, collaborating with um, Sebo and West Coast Mafia mm -hmm. a few years prior to that. And um, Roy Jones Jr., when we did I Smoke, I Drank, yeah. Rest in Peace to Magic again. Um, so within that time, you know, things kind of came and went. I was in a, you know, um, in between kind of contractual situation. And um, I was working on a, another independent record called Three Headed Monster. Um, shout out to my man Chauncey Clyde and Money Waters out in the um, Dallas, Texas area. So we went out to Kansas, you know, Chauncey from Kansas, and we recorded this record called Three Headed Monster. And I guess that Strange was building, you know, I didn't know, I heard of Strange and was a Tech Nine fan since the gang related um, record and stuff like that. So I keep a kind, you know, I, pay attention to what, the, what was going on out that way and I knew that was kind of like the mecca for rap music uh, was strange. So um, ironically, my man Chauncey and Dave or something was together one day and he was playing the music and he, he recognized that he knew me and, and connected us back together. So um, shout out here again to Dave. I let Dave know I was kind of in the situation to where I needed another situation, you know what I mean? And uh, he asked me, was I interested in Strange and what was going on over there? I said, well, work out something. Yeah, let's get it on. So at least for maybe two years and throughout the contractual stage and um, a year once I was there, you know what I mean, if that, that long. So maybe a year, year and a half run I had with those guys and um, had the opportunity of putting out a record called Preserve along right. with a book called The Making of um, Preserve. Um, shouts out to my man Sarin Baker. You know what I mean? Um, used to be editor at, at Source Magazine back in the days, and he do a whole lot of, um, just a whole lot for the whole culture of hip hop. So um, he pulled me to the side and asked me, was I ever interested in doing a book? And you know, it's something I always thought about, but you know, sitting down and really having the time to write a book, I always thought authors uh, sit down and write a thousand pages. You, you have to really don't have no, nothing else to do. To go, mm -hmm. go stick yourself in the log cabin and really write like Stephen King or whoever. So I was like, you know, maybe later in life when, you know what I mean, I get a little older, what have we, and I could sit down and really collectivize. But he, he helped me to a way that, that, that we put the book together, The Matter of Days, and we put the record out. It's available on Amazon.com, on the label website, um, www.trapdoorent.com. You know, so all the merch, the book, and you know, everything is there, you know, the new label book. Yeah, so that was my connection. Dave Weiner used to be, I don't know if that's too loud or wait till that's finished. I don't know what that, hold on, let me hear. Okay. Anybody ever came after me that was from the South, so, you know, it was a whole different origin. You know, like, um, like if you took Michael Jordan in the 80s and took him away from the Bulls and put him on the Celtics, you know what I mean? He's gonna be Michael Jordan. Uh, like Michael Vick from from the Falcons to the Eagles, you know what I mean? Right, but right, right. these ain't the guys he used to playing around with, and it's much love with those guys and all that type of thing. But I felt like the, a lot of fans kind of came at me feeling like it was a different texture, that I wasn't doing everything that everybody else was doing. So I wanted to remain myself, then blend in, and we, you know, continue to do records. Uh, we actually, you know, um, did a remake to How You Do That called How You Do That Again. I was about to bring it up that right. y'all actually relaunched the song again. Right. Me, um, Tech Nine, and Brother Lynch Hunt, which is a yeah. super dope song, but we didn't benefit off the song by not doing the video and different things like that. So yeah. it's, it's one of them. You know about it, or you don't know about it. So it kind of came and went, and um, we ended up doing another song together. It's called "Won't You Come Dirty." Me, Tech Nine, and Stevie Stone. 
that that Stevie Stone, right? Yeah. That followed um my preserved album on a Welcome to Strangeland compilation or something like that. You know what I mean? So it was kind of short lived, and it ain't really you know go where I hoped it went. You know what I mean? The highest expectancy. So it ain't no bad blood or nothing like that. I just kind of walked away from that table too, and you know, they went back to doing what they was doing, and I come back independent. Um, actually, I start when I say relaunch. I mentioned relaunching my label earlier, but I started my label with them, Trapdoor Entertainment. I really did like a co-op deal with them, you know what I mean? So I started it and hadn't dropped a solo record since 2011, you know what I mean? A few collabos along the way and right. a mixtape or something like that, but yeah, this is the first time the living record that I mentioned earlier that I dropped in February. So yeah, it's the second album I done released on Trapdoor Entertainment, so yeah, it's the relaunch. Young Bleach still around doing this thing. Oh, yeah, man, man. Still doing this Only thing. Only life I know, man. Yeah, oh, from the embryo, you hear me? Already. Yeah, man. So today, I mean, who, who do you listen to today? Um, I'm still the same way if I feel like hearing something real old, you know what I mean, in the right. genre of music. As far as um, the new rappers, you know, my, my family used to tell me this, you know what I mean, my pops all the time, man, the rap thing might just be a fad, have you something to fall back on. So I could look back to the 80s now and see that still exists, like we talking about me. Um, but just trying to absorb the whole rap atmosphere, I looked at how it was confusing for my pops. You know, God said the same, I'll be 44 years old next year, you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, so now I could look back and I, it's like it's so much. Some of it is cool. A lot of it is oversaturated, you know what I mean? Very. So I feel like my pops used to feel with me. I hear my kids and, you know what I mean, grown kids and, you know, teenagers listening to records and some of them is cool and some of them sound the same. I don't know who is who. You yeah. see what I'm saying? So when you say that, I have to think, okay, it's, it's, it's a lot of people I, I like, you know, and, and depending on, the, you know, the last period of years or however, like Future, I dug Future, naturally boosted Wayne and everything that's coming from where we at. Exactly. Okay. So, yeah, so I'm not against, you know what I mean, the younger generation and what they're doing. But I, you know, I always try to be the bridge between that gap. I got OGs that's older than me. If I can get a chance to do a record with Curtis Blow or what have we, yeah, if he's still around. And I feel like that's how the game go versus the divide and conquer between the confusion between what's old and what's new. You know what I mean? I was always taught to get you something old and something new. You know what I'm saying? So it coincided, just like we was that young generation when these other guys was building these hip hop bricks. And really, it's, um, what I call heavenly riches, pennies from the sky, man, that we all, you know what I mean, have an opportunity to take your talent and turn it into money and a business for yourself. So I don't understand the plex and all the, you know what I mean? Right, right. A lot of the right. gay stuff that's in it. These oh, guys yeah. in skirts yeah, and dresses and purses. <laughs> yeah, I'm not with that. We, You know, my structure was different. And whatever who was doing in the closet that's coming out now is crazy. You know what I mean? But. Lyrically, from the East Coast here again to West, men was being men and standing up. It was about standing up, mm -hmm. like a barbarian or a gladiator sport. If you battle rap, you, you had to come from the heart and be a man to outwit the next man. You know what I'm saying? Uh, or be recognized. But now it's just like, you know, everything is a fashion show. And where the fashion is, especially for young black men, I don't dig it. You know what I'm saying? To each his own. So right. that part of the game I don't like, but it is some good music. And like I said, just off the head, I have to kind of, I don't, you know, I'm the type of guy, I listen to the radio every now and again. If I'm riding the vehicle and there's nothing else to listen to but the radio, you know what I mean? So, um, 
I want to say some more names, but it's a lot, you know what I mean? So it's a lot of guys I dig, but I put out more in particular what I don't dig. So, you know, yeah, if you're in that oh, area, hey, yeah, I, that I, ain't I my lane, man. You. Yeah, you know, before life. we wrap up, I know it's something I kind of want to ask both of y'all. Mm -hmm. Why is hip-hop like the only genre where you feel like people age out? Because, you know, rock and roll bands, oh, man, they can play today 70 years old. Like man, the Stones, they can tour. The Beatles can tour. You know, yeah. your, your R&B groups, they could tour. Right. But with hip-hop, it's like once you see, reach a certain age, you age out, people like, oh, that, that's the old nigga. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. either, you know, I, I want both of y'all's well, opinion on that. You know? I'm, I'm going to throw my two cents in the bucket. Honestly, man, you really look at it, lately, that that gap has been kind of bridged because you got a lot of uh, 90s hip-hop tours going on and even the 80s hip-hop tours. Like mm -hmm. just, uh, what, just summer you had the um, Southern Hip Hop Legends tour. You know what I'm saying? You had uh, individuals like Pastor Troy, A-Ball, and G. Mm -hmm. uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, juvenile or whatever. No, Mystical, I'm sorry. Then, you know, you've got like some of the, the 80s hip hop tours. You got uh, uh, Father MC, no, nah, not Father MC, but uh, uh, two female. Salt and Pepper? No, not Salt and Pepper. Ooh, yeah, what Salt and Pepper? Yeah. You, got, um, you said two females. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, yeah. What, what, what's the name of the song? No, no, it's Salt and Pepper. Salt and Pepper. Oh, okay. Touring. I know. Uh, yeah, everybody, they, that, they doing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, everybody's starting to get back into the game. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's like somebody just woke up and, a, and I guess a light bulb switched off. And like, like you said, why we can't do this? So now they're doing it, you know what I'm saying? So And they need to. And you're probably going right. to see more and more of that. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna catch on eventually. But um, on a wider scale for us, us in the community, I remember being on the block and if I saw an old dude that had fresh Cadillac, clean and all that, and he was an upstanding person in the community, nine times out of 10, that's who I wanted to be like. Mm -hmm. So it's like the youngsters, when they say the older generation is hating, that's a form of hate. When you trying to already, I was like over trying to overthrow a king. You gonna get your turn, let me finish, you know what I mean? So yeah. that, that part of it, I don't agree with, you know what I mean, based on them principles, man. Like you say, you can look at the whole and, and, and not to separate it, and, and, you know, and be in any, any, any way, you know, racist about nothing. But in the white community, it's just like that. The rock, those rock kids, I was watching um, something the other night, you know, um, with Steve Miller from the Steve Miller Band. I listen to rock music and everything. You oh, know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? You, me and you both. Yeah. So. He was describing, um, no, somebody, a, a commercial came on that was showing, you know, Peter Frampton, who they was going to interview next with Dan Rather, something he got new come on TV. But they were saying, how as a kid, somewhere 10 years old, that's listening to, let's say, a Led Zeppelin record. Mm -hmm. He ain't saying these old cats, you see what I'm saying? So we got a kind of community hate within us that, that that's brewed, that going so many different ways, I ain't gonna get into those genres, but that is, you know, I can't wait to see you fail. You see what I'm saying? What I don't understand is like, some guys come from the street from a street perspective, that's how you is, then I mean, that's an excuse to do all the negative stuff you're doing. I can't understand getting rich and having a problem, and now we, everybody wanna fight. First it was a fight to get the money, now we got the money, and let's fight about, you know what I mean? So I don't understand that. Right. You know what I mean, it's right. crazy. And. We don't have a, a, a black rock. They just induced Tupac in the Hollywood, Hollywood rock. Why well, we don't got a hip hop holler? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's necessary. After right. all the con contributions back to Scott LaRock and guys that died doing, you know, 
for what this is and the high commodity that that rap music is, yeah, it should have its genre. And we might get it on a small scale, a little war show and this year before. We just getting a BET hip hop award and all that kind of stuff just recently. So, right. you know, it's a lot of ways to look at it. But it start with us, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, so that's the whole thing. No unity in the community. There it is, you did. Two, two more quick questions for you. First one, if you had any advice to give to an inspiring artist that's trying to get on, I right. mean, you don't been at the top. You you actually got a gold album. Yes, sir. So you've been there. You, yeah. you don't seen the success and had the success. Right. Right. What would be the best piece of advice that you would give an inspiring artist trying to get in the game? I always say this, man, keep God first because that's where your inspiration and everything coming from, the breath you breathe, the life you're living. Um, be true to yourself, you know what I mean? Take care of the people that take care and support you, mainly family, blood in, blood out, and, you know, whatever your circle may be. And the rest is learn this business and master your craft, man, you know what I'm saying? Pick mm -hmm. up some of these books. Get on that internet, you know what I mean? Instead of Definitely. selfie, <laughs> taking selfies, man. Read some of these books. <laughs> right. If yeah, this right. what you really want to do, you know what I mean? Right. Be true to the game, it's going to be true to you. So that's what it is. Yeah, man. Last question. Yes, sir. I want to know, and I ask pretty much all the artists this. Yeah. Who is your top three artists, dead or alive? Artists or rappers or MCs or however you want MCs. to MCs. Let's go MCs. Let's man. go MCs. That's a hard one, and after knowing so many now, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Hey, man. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, man, it, that, that's an infinite Are you going to say your favorite three? Okay, I'm going to try to put it in categories for you in my, in my evolution. Go ahead. Um, Love LL, Daddy Kane, The Death, but in the 80s time, and on to my favorite rapper of all time, just lyrically clean and murderous, still hard to the core in a raw but beautiful way, always been rock him. And that spit peer. Oh, that's right. a good one. That spit peer. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? He been about what he been talking about since he come in and all the way right now. He ain't change up a bit. Right. You know what I mean? So, you know, hats off to rock him far as the East Coast in that 80s time. And that's just me being true of myself and true to the game. On the West Coast, you know, it's hard to go between the range of Ice Cube, Snoop, and Tupac. Mm. With Tupac really being from the East Coast. Right, So right. if you separate that, you know, of all times, we'll have to give it up. Pac became that ultimate rapper that we all crafted to be from the 70s until he got it, to where he had that glitch. LL had it with I Need Love, where you got the males and the females. But Pac had, the, when I say the underground up, underground prisons on into the top of the world, and all charts, you know what I mean, for us hip-hop music, you know what I mean, and R&B charts as well, and any other genre of music. So he had that impact on everybody in life, rather from the movies to the music. So you have to say, kind of set Pac in the middle, you know, kind of by itself. But when you're looking at rightfully coming out that West Coast, when you look at the structure of NWA, Easy wasn't really the rapper. Ice Cube, you know what I mean? Yeah, he was the man. Cube was, yeah, Cube off the top, and then eventually Snoop, but it's off that, that tree that started. And here again, the priority family tree that was started with the California Raiders and Easy E. You see what I'm saying? Right. So right, yeah. Right. So coming out that same lineage, we trickle on down to the south, like I said earlier. For and depending on, I like you know, I love Devin and everybody else. You know what I mean? When you're saying Texas and the rudiments to the south, for us, you know, at one time it was Rap Alive Records and Luke Skywalker Records. When you mm -hmm. say you know Luke that stretch from Texas yeah. to Florida, 
you know, so on and so forth. I mean, a lot of in between, but far as what we knew, you know, coming out of Louisiana, we was either trying to get on either one of those ways, either through Luke or through Lil J and rap a lot of records. So, solo rapper um, coming out that region, like I said, had to be Scarface on his same thing and as lyrical, but stayed in his lane. He yeah, didn't talk MCs and all this. Story he telling, with yeah. and the way he did it was just as dope as Rakim was doing it. You know what I'm saying? He's spitting it from a New York state of mind. He giving you H-Town, you know, in the South. So, um, face, you know, you pimp and bond on some, you know what I mean? So it's hard to put it together. But when I when I separated solo, you know, that's three coats for you right there. Uh, Rakim, Ice Cube, and you know what I mean? Um, Tupac, I had to add that centerpiece. You know, as well as I love Big, you know, that, that that only put out a couple of records so before he could spread his wings all the way, you never knew what the, you know, the potential. So it, it depends on what scale it is. I heard Jay-Z say it best, it's all a matter of opinion. Who my favorite might be, might not be yours, you see what I'm saying? Right. So I quit looking in that um, direction a long time ago and kind of right. let go and let God and just absorb all music that sound too good to me. You know, we from the home of the gumbo pack. And like I say, yeah. I'm going I'm to um, whip it up like Sir Mix a lot of somebody, you know what I mean? But, yeah, like that. So it's like, yeah, it's too many to name when you start with me. I, I got you. Man. You went through a lot of this. Look, I'm old as hip-hop. If hip-hop, about 43, 44, yeah. When it was, the machine was being built, so I was, you, so you yeah, grew up with I it. I grew right with it, yeah. So, man, I, I know y'all boys got to get out of here because y'all got to yeah, show tonight. Y'all got some things to do. Yes, so sir. what we're going to do is we're going to go around the table. And everybody get their social media outlets, okay, um, yeah, any right. last partner shout outs. And, mm -hmm. you know, we're we going to start Mr. Envy and we're going to end it out with Legend. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, man, um, you can check me on MrEnvy1.com. That's M-R-E-N-V-I-1.com. You know, it's the same as my Facebook, Twitter handles. My Instagram is MrEnvy09, uh, SouthernStyleRecords.com. You know what I mean? You just, uh, you know, Google me. I'm everywhere, man. Uh, yo, um, for me, um, it's Facebook. My government is Glenn Clifton, or you can go to the Young Bleed fan page. Um, Twitter is at the real, um, what is it? At yeah, what is it? At real Young Bleed. At Instagram, it's at the real. Well, it's the real Young Bleed. Yeah, let me yeah. say that right. And for those interested in the new album, living everything in the past, videos of that nature, tour dates, merchandise, go to www.trapdoorent.com. And you can find me all day. Y'all that I mean from a K-Boy team. Yeah. Oh, you ready? One, one other thing, too. i like to shout out uh, Abano Shoes. You know what I'm saying? They just came Definitely, into the man. You know, they, okay. That's a black-owned business over in Bolger City. You know that's what I'm saying? Up. Go out there, support them. You know what I'm saying? They got a nice little clothing line, shoes, T-shirts, and hoodies. So, yeah, yeah that's Abano Shoes. Yeah. Yeah, check them out. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, Actually, you know, shout out to Smiles and my man Tiny when I come through this way. Um, before it's getting haircuts, man, but I saw these abound of shoes today in the in, in the barbershop and just had to have a pair of match when I'm wearing to the show tonight. So for those that, that, that that's in the Bolger City Street Port area, come show your love, show your face in the place, man, and we're gonna show y'all what to do, man. That's what's up. Already. Now normally we end the show on, on the song, you know, from the, the feature artist, which is yourself, yeah, you know, man. please. So yeah. any song that you wanna end the show on, it could be from my balls, my word to current time, as long as I can, you know, pull it up on iTunes and find it. So okay. I'll let you pick the song and we gonna get on out of here. Okay, man, well, if we could do something new, man, um let's go with the new single, um, Let Us All Get Down. Yeah. 
already. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm heard, living, man. man. Yeah. You don't believe you. It's a pleasure. Yes, sir. I appreciate it's a pleasure, you having me. Man. Hey, man. Ain't no problem. Yes, sir, I appreciate you showing love to the show. Definitely, man. Something from myself, yes, sir. Mr. Envy. Sir. And the sudden icon, Young Bleed. Salute. It's the takeover. Yes, sir. We out of here. Cadillac and native foes coming. I'll be slamming those for all my life the way you go, nigga. That's right. That's, That's right. right. Yeah.